We begin by acknowledging the Wurundjeri and Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we stand today. We pay our respect to Elders past and present. Patriarchy and capitalism are diseases imported by colonisers, and we recognise the ongoing effects it has had on people, culture and their sacred sites. Sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be. Aboriginal land. In the heat of the Just popping a cheeky content warning in. In this episode, we discuss violence, rape, assault, male violence, apologism, homophobia, and transphobia, amongst other things. Uh, there are a few personal stories throughout this episode uh, which might stir things up for some people. So, just a gentle reminder it's totally fine to step away, pause, and give yourself some space. 1-800-RESPECT is a great resource if you need any support. Love you all. Welcome everyone to another episode of Loud, Angry and Not Sorry, where we talk about news, current events and politics from a feminist perspective. My name's Leah and this week we have special guests, Chili and Mev. Welcome. Hi. Hi Leah. Hi Mev. Hi, I'm, I'm recording baby. <laughs> No, not right now. In an hour? No. What are you, what, what's up? I was flicking up the pasta and I flicked a sauce in my eye. <laughs> you, you flicked the sauce in your eye? Are you okay? Do you want to just go rinse oh, it out no. with some water? Not the sauce. <laughs> Painful. She has to wash it with a little bit of lemon juice. Yeah, <laughs> just put some chilli in your eyes. <laughs> are you okay? I'll be back in a second. All right, put a little bit of salt in the water so she I thinks you're doing something. <laughs> Oh no, poor Izzy. Oh, I love that kid. She's so funny. She's great. The things that she says yeah, are amazing. She's pretty, she's pretty good. So you've been part of Sladbrook for a while? Yeah. Um, God, how many? Three years or something. I, I was attending it for a few years before that. And then um, I got involved just as a volunteer, I think, marshalling one year. And then the next year I was on the organising team, I think. How good is to rally, hey? Yeah, <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> hey. She okay? Don't forget your contraceptives. <laughs> She's totally fine. Anyway. Um, Off to a good start. This week we have two special guests, Chili from 3CR, uh, Latinx Feministers and... Slutwalk Melbourne 2020 Rally, and Mev, who is also from the Slutwalk Melbourne Committee. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Thanks. Hi. Hi. How's things? All right. <laughs> it depends who you are, how things are. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose we're getting into it. Um, yeah, we're going to need to it, yes. Let's just go. Let's just go. No need for small talk. We all know each other here. So some articles have just come out reporting that, that 2020 seems to have been the worst year for domestic violence, which is something that I think a lot of feminists and folk working in the domestic violence sector have been saying pretty much since the start of lockdown. Yeah, so the stats have come out now that it almost doubled, I think, the reports and the cases of, of violence, yeah. including referrals to Illawarra's Women's Health Centre have been up by 189%, which is pretty well, intense. Let's, let's not forget that when the, the lockdown stage four started here in um, Melbourne, the first strategy was to uh, 
tried to give assistance to the perpetrators of domestic abuse, but then they, when the government realized to the extent that we were, we started taking people out of their homes and putting them in hotels to avoid tragedy. That is something that went very underneath the radar, you know, but um, the Victorian government started taking out perpetrators of domestic violence and taking them out and put them in a hotel. That yeah. happened. I, what, I'm what? looking at your face, Leah. You didn't yeah. know about that. Hey. I feel ever, like, vaguely I remember hearing about this and thinking that it was very weird. Yeah, there's this Tiny yeah. little news that they've blown under the radar. We've been, we've had this speech, like you said, the discourse is going on in the media, all domestic mm. violence is going up. We see it coming in and then we see the government announcing very clear the central information point, the orange door, the new services, the changes mm. in this and then taking the perpetrators. But this been, if you read the news, if you're constantly reading, you can see that there is a bit of a, a, a struggle in between trying to talk about domestic violence with numbers that they're going through the roof. Mm. And a lot of like the government's throwing money and throwing and trying to sort out this because it is a real problem mm-hmm. that I guess we couldn't run away from with this lockdown because at the end of the day what women knew and what people mm-hmm. knew is that when we talk about violence we always think and men mostly think about something that happens outside of the house but when women think about violence you know yeah no, I'm coming from someone close yeah and Speaking as a female and speaking as a queer person as well and understanding that, you know, our living arrangements are not always what we want, but most of the time what we can, Mm. Mm. you know, it's a luxury to be able to live with peace at home, I think. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of us as well have experienced male and, um, sorry, male family members and family, friends and things growing up that have made us uncomfortable and put us in situations where we feel unsafe as well. And we all know this, that, you know, it doesn't just come from someone on the street. No. Oh, if we know, but most of the time actually comes from someone really close. Yeah. I think it's around 70% of the time. That was, I think that was statistic from World Health Organization or UN Women. And I think that was a couple of years ago. But yeah, that's it's disproportionately someone that you know, someone that is close to you and usually someone that you live with. Yeah. So the, I read an article where they were talking about like how all the stats have gone up and it's across all states. It's disproportionately high across all states. So not even just Melbourne where we've had that really significant lockdown. And Anne Rushton, one of the, the MPs, I think, for LMP, she, she was contacted and she just like didn't comment at all about it. I don't know, they, they just almost like they want to acknowledge it but not do anything about it. And I think a lot of it speaks to the fact that their family values are very heteronormative and very white-centric and focused on uh, you have a wife and a husband and you have kids and the wife will stay at home and the dad goes to work. So they're really struggling, I think, with this narrative. And I think that's why there's a problem in the media as well. Sorry, I, I know that I come from a different country, but what year is it in Australia? <laughs> it's um 1935 yeah i think so because this thing yeah. of like, and i'm not sure in what australia they live but in australia that i've been living in the last 13 years with one income you don't do jack shit yeah um so this aspiring that one of you men goes to work women stay at home and raise the children and this like yeah. beautiful 1950 things wasn't like that in australia 1950s or either. or if a woman does go to work then she piled oh no honey, it's just a hobby it's just a it's hobby. just it's <laughs> just something that you do for shits and giggles that just to keep you occupied while children are at school yeah because like, he just has an etsy store yeah just or some arts and crafts. charities as well events yeah. for charity you know 
It depends. Yeah. You, you know that in my country. That Don't call me out too hard, Chile, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I go to, like, I, I come from Chile. And um, in Chile, basically, or or it's a very big separation in between what's rich and all the other classes that they come. We're all poor, but we have a whole bunch of different names. There's poor, then it's like middle class, which basically you're poor, but with the ability to get a credit card. <laughs> and then you got the very rich people. But the very, very rich people, you always have, you know, the men that goes and study economics or something like that. It's called yeah. economical engineering. I think that they love to put those big names in my country about these things. But women they, go, they make shit up like that here as well. Yeah, the conservative, yeah. the conservative university up there has um has a career that it's basically how to be a professional housewife kind of thing. Shut but it's up. also used by the rich classes to send their nannies to. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. When you get that big separation between rich and poor and weird shits are happening. But I think that that separation also exists in Australia. And we have seen that yeah. coming in for the last 20 years, uh, the concentration of the wealth on the first and the, on the 1%. And this discourse mm-hmm. that you're saying, it's like one goes to work, the other one stays here. I lived in a lot of places in Australia and I'm not very sure in what suburbs that would work except for Turak and South Yarra. <laughs> definitely none of the places that are living far north Queensland were allowed for that the people that are so in the farms they all work you mm. know and that includes the owner of the farm and the lady that you know accompanies it that she works too mm. you know yeah it's a yeah. weird misogyny that we have in Australia you know that when I came down here in the world statistics Australia figure as one of the most safe places for women to be like the crimes against women were very, very low. It was one of the things that I told my dad. It was part of the studies that I pull up, you know, wow. from, yeah. from my research to be able to get permission to come here on my own. Like mm-hmm. That's know? disheartening. And slowly I've been starting to realize that um, the reason of that is not because they don't, it's because they don't have, it's not because we don't have rape in Australia. Mm-hmm. Totally because we don't, like, not because we don't have women disappearing. This is one of the countries with most amount of adults disappearing in the mm-hmm. world, you know that? Is mm-hmm. that we just started quantifying these things very late. But also the reporting of this, of this stuff is really inconsistent as well. Like there was an article that was released, I can't believe at the start of this year because it feels feels like 10 years ago called rough justice by the abc and um they essentially go through the statistics of the number of women who have reported to cops about their their assault and how far that report actually got through the system yeah i think i saw that i read this on the abc this weekend and i think we used to start in um the broadcast of last slack book on the weekend 3,420 women on 2019 were admitted to hospital because they were bashed by their partners mm. 3,420 yeah. in australia and that's not even that's just phys- the physical that's just the the ones that were bad enough to go to hospital Exactly. That's what yeah. ends up in hospital. And that ignores the fact that, that you know, that that's the tip of the iceberg. Like the women that, mm. that they experience physical violence is one form. And, and for a lot of women, wish that that violence would turn into, you know, physical. Mm. Because dealing with the psychological violence, which is one of the index yeah. that they grow up more. Like when we see um, articles about domestic violence uh, in the media in Australia this year during COVID, we see a lot about coercion techniques yeah. Yeah. you know and how to keep how men would just tell their women that they uh 
they have COVID and then they have, they lock the woman in the, in the room and they just hang out with mates outside of the house. I read that at the beginning of the year. Yeah, wow. yeah. It's the long-term effects as well on people's mental health. The trauma and the, the gaslighting and the negging really deeply affects people psychologically. And that's not even talking about PTSD from abuse. It's always the victim survivors that are ones that have to deal with the consequences of abuse, whereas the perpetrators are protected not only by law, but by society and by culture. And by culture mainly, you know, I just came out for hanging out with a mate and I actually came back with a very, very <laughs> sour taste in my mouth. It's one of my closest friends. Oh, bless. And we were talking and he was telling me that he'd gone to a party and, mm. um, and in the party, Apparently, a girl was telling another girl that a person that was present in the party, a male, was very, very abusive. Mm. So my mate had invited this person in and the girl came out to him and go like, hey, you invited this person in and his girlfriend is talking about all of these very abusive things. Mm -hmm. I just let my mate tell me the story. Hey, I didn't say anything. But one of the things that he said was, um, well, but you know, I didn't know what to do because at this, this point it was Chinese whispers. And I'm in a party and, you know, I've got to stay out with my, it's, you know, I've got this brotherhood. Mm. Yeah, as if somebody would bring that up when it's not true. To me, <laughs> this is Sorry. a guy that I regarded very highly. I got very few cis men in my life and this is one of the ones that I got there. But it's like, how can you fight against cold? How can you raise a boy well if all his surrounding, I'm going to tell him that what you're saying is wrong. Yeah, I mean, her safety and her comfort is is a higher priority than you enjoying your party. And I mean, and that's difficult for us in a conversation with someone who we're friends with as well. Like, because whenever we do this, we're difficult, we're, we're feminazis, we're all that kind of rubbish. Like it's because always Because they're fucking us. wimps. I'm sorry, but I'm just going to say, they're fucking wimps. <laughs> like legit most of the time, they fucking grow a cunt. Sorry. I'm sorry for my French. I yeah. several languages in one of them. That's not French, but babe. Grow a conteur. A pussy grows something <laughs> that it's hard because most of the time what you like is bolts or actually what you have is bolts is very sensitive things that you tend to make us yeah. believe that it's a synonymous of courage which is actually not exactly what i see most of men these days is cowardice mm. cowardice to stand up and call out a behavior that is clearly wrong yeah actually that um what you were just saying reminded me of um, a time when I was having a meeting for a festival that I was a volunteer for and the housemate of the person whose house it was that we were having the meeting at, um, he, I said hi to him and he just basically verbally abused me and kicked me out because he wanted this, his house to be a safe space for the guy I had a restraining order against who was his friend because <laughs> it was more important that if his friend might want to come over, I wasn't here because I had a restraining order, which meant that he couldn't come over. Fuck me. Like that was the conversation I had. And I was like 18, 19 at the time. And the guy I had a restraining order against and his friend were in their 20s. But that just reminded me of that situation of, um, you know, it's way more important for the perpetrator to have a safe space to be or to enjoy mm -hmm. themselves at the party than to actually talk about what happened or yeah. hold them accountable for me yeah. there is a couple of quotes that they come to mind you know the first one it's up um you know men are scared that women will laugh at them yeah we do it, they are they're super scared of women laughing at them or ruining their good time we actually complain because we're getting killed it's a yeah. bit of yeah. a difference 
you know, like mm. it'll be a bit main difference that I'm, I'm talking about balls and cunts, you know? Mm. We talk mm. about balls as something that it's, you know, super strong, courageous and stuff. You flick on them. They, mm. they bend over and they spew. Mm-hmm. Mm. Then you have cunts, which is something that we use as the worst insult and everything. They give life. Mm. They can stretch hugely. They can mm-hmm. allow for us to feel the most huge. Strongest thing ever. Thing ever. <laughs> yeah. And um, how men are so calm. Such cowards, because they start with the main thing, like in their own conception, in the middle of patriarchy, hitting a woman, it's cowardice. That's their own words. That's how they started this shit. And then suddenly they're on top. We do absolutely not. Now we gotta, we gotta work. We gotta, we gotta make all the stuff in the house. We gotta do the, the children's. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And um, we gotta make the money, but not make more than him. No. He could, he could feel bad. Need to cook for him and make sure that he's all right and nurse his cold, you know, if mm. he's got anything. He doesn't do jack shit except calling the shots. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's a fucking shit deal. Like, I don't understand how straight women take that deal. I really don't. <laughs> well, it's just, again, proof that sexuality isn't a choice. <laughs> my little sister said that to me. She was like, I'm gay. My brother's gay. And then my little sister, we were both like, okay, my brother and I were like, all right, are you gay? You know, like, you need to let us know because we, we want to know if mom and dad are going to have a third heart attack. <laughs> too much. And my sister went like, fuck, you know what? I tried. I tried. <laughs> I tried to like women. It was going to be a lot easier, make my life easier, but I'm fucked. I, I'm actually straight. Yeah. It basically yeah. came out that way. And she was the one to tell me that that's clearly, clearly, I know that you and my brother did not have a choice. Yeah. Because like, I wanted that choice. I don't want to mm. have to mingle with South American men. yeah yeah some of the the stories that danny's told me like on the podcast of her experiences with men in south america yeah i don't blame her oh um, we might just send her a really good vibrator and maybe she'll be all right (laughs) i'm i'm stoked to live in australia is a place that people look at me in the eye men look at me in the eye and not just to Mm. my chest which is what Mm. happened all my life in my own country but yeah, we were talking about how the cowardice of men to be able to call violence. And yeah. one of the things that I want to say in their defense is the fact that I actually think that patriarchy is the most brutal with boys when they're little mm. than there is with females. So when, yeah. we, when we say a, boys, you're, a boy, you're not allowed to cry, and it sounds super cliche, but the size of the violence to tell a three-year-old kid or a two-year-old boy, or a four-year-old mm. boy, a five-year-old, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's a kid. Mm. It's a kid that doesn't know better, that it's mm-hmm. a baby, literally, yeah. that he's calming himself. To tell them that he has no right to cry, no right to feel pain, no right to express mm. that. Yeah. And we accept, we validate the violence that we accept onto ourselves. We yeah. get near. We, if, and you see it, we see, them, we see this a lot between women. Like a woman that has allowed violence towards herself normally tends to be judgy, judgy to a woman that is trying to get out of the cycle of domestic violence. Because yeah. when you allow that violence into yourself, you naturalize that violence. You make it natural. Otherwise, you need to question yourself that you did the wrong thing before. Because there is the blame of, that we put onto ourselves in a society that keeps blaming it onto us. I bring in this and I'm going to wrap it up. Leah, pro, I, I promise no, 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 no. I'm listening. It's, I'm yeah, going back to a point. Incredibly frustrating and we absolutely grab, accurate. We grab boys and we perform the most horrible violence that we could tell to a kid. Yeah. Don't listen to your feelings. 
They're yeah. not valid. Your pain is not valid. Then are we surprised that they don't think our pain is valid? Yeah. They were taught, first thing, that you should not cry, that mm. you should not be weak, that you should not put yourself in that position. And then they keep replicating that violence towards us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because the system treats them like shit to them. And mm. then that they have the right to come home and replicate that violence there. So it's fine. Yeah. And, you know, women could do the same with our children. We can go and replicate our violence that it's, you know, from coming from there to us, then replicate it onto our children. But we don't. We try to stop it. You know, not yeah. all women. Again, not all women. A lot of patriarchy comes from our own fucking way to raise kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I want to I wanna bring it back to this little quote from uh, Jess Hill, see what you made me do. Just mm. going to put it out there because I don't want people to hear this and think that we're men haters. <laughs> I, I personally, I am not. I am not, but I'm terribly frustrated at the quality of men that we are producing. because we produce- I, don't, I don't hate men. I'm scared of men. It's I'm a terrified of them. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, uh, the quote opens up. It says, at a local <laughs> men's behavior change program, Nick and the other men in the group were astonished to learn that verbal, emotional, psychological, and even financial abuse counted as domestic abuse. I actually didn't know what family violence constitute, and a lot of people don't. Probably the biggest one was language, the derogatory language. That's the bit that probably really woke up most of the men in the program, he says. I could assure you that the true meaning of family violence is misunderstood by 95% of men. And I want to bring that because this has to do with the formative years. Yeah. How yeah. we raise boys based on insults. Don't be yeah. this, don't be that. Yeah. Be strong, be like boys. And then, then we justify boys being boys because we let them be in boys. We allow them to grow up. Mm. An adult is someone that is able to contain their own emotions. Mm. It's able to self-contain. That's mm. an adult. And we're not allowing, we don't have men, we have boys. We talk about the problems that I see repeating most and most in between my straight female friends. You know, I got a man child. <laughs> yeah. My husband yeah. is the biggest baby I have at home. Yeah. Because he's unable to self-contain. He doesn't know what he feels, how he feels it. Yeah, I'm going to put it to another one because I want to bring some sort of compassion to men in the hopes that some men is actually listening and don't think that we're just hating on them because we act- I actually worry about men. Mm. I worry terribly. Yeah. I worry terribly about my, ma- my, my mates. I was seeing my friend now because his best mate passed away and I want to make sure that he's got a way mm. to, to talk, you know, and someone to talk because I know he's going to go and hang out with the boys and they're just going to get drunk. Yeah. And I actually think that all of those boys need to talk about these things because the feelings are real. It doesn't matter that you think you're mm. not feeling. We numb you since you were a kid to not feel them. Mm. We numb you to not feel compassion. And that is something that we need to fucking address. Because yeah. we're not going to sort out violence with more violence. And I'm really, really full on to that. With that being said, I'm separatist. I don't think that no violence means to be soft. On top of that, there's also this entitlement that, that men are raised with as well, that if they, if they perform this role of, you know, strong male, that they're going to be rewarded with, with sex and with jobs and with privilege. And that they deserve it. And, yeah, not only does it, like, they're just entitled, they're just, they just get yeah. it there for them. And then especially with this sort of, I don't know if you want to call it the fourth wave of feminism or 
the intersectional inclusive feminism that we're a part of now, women are empowered and saying no and, you know, gender diverse folk and, um, and trans women are just being like, no, this is how it is. I don't know you shit. So it's no real surprise that where there's the rise of the incel movement and the MRAs and that kind of stuff, because we're suddenly making them challenge and change their entire worldview. Yeah, and we're not allowing them to have space to actually think about it either. Well, they don't have those skills. Mm. Yeah, they don't. But even even if they even if they had the skills, like how do they self reflect and self criticize without yeah. saying to themselves, "I'm stupid, I'm shit, I'm worthless." I'm going to be super unpopular when I did when I say this, eh? but um, I think we need to leave them alone. Yeah. I think that they need time alone. I think that we need to we need to recruit ourselves and we need to start talking about how we want to be women. Know them until they fucking they're able to have a conversation. Yeah. I don't think that's unpopular. <laughs> I think that's literally the safest thing for us at this moment. You know what? And it's to leave them alone because they need yeah. to go through that. They need to go through the uncomfortability of all yep. of that. We need to, but at some point we need to be strong enough to help them contain themselves because they need a hand. They're not going to be able to do it alone. You're right. And- Yeah, and I think this is, (laughs) I did an interview with 3CR prior to to Slut Walk and I was talking about the documentary and the first question they asked me was like, how are you going to get men and allies on side? And I was just like, I'm not. (laughs) The point of all the work that I do is to empower women and feminists and, and victim survivors so that we can fight our own fights. We should not be focusing our energy on telling men and other women that have got their own internalized misogyny going on. I'm not going to use my energy anymore on trying to convince these people that I have human rights. Yeah, that's, I'm just that's not. Central. That's central, yeah. When in South America, when you see the rising of the feminist movement, mm. uh, sometimes people look at me here in Australia and they go, that's impossible. And I go like, what do you mean it's impossible that it's happening right there? And it's these people the- need to come and have a conversation. When me and Sam Castro get together, Oh, my God. I always leave conversations with her being like, fucking yes, we're going to rule the fucking world. (laughs) Nat Castro, you said? Yes, Sam Castro. um, Feminist with, um, she was on After Slut Walk, the Slut Walk uh, panel, Panel. speaking panel, and uh, incredible feminist. And I think she's on a podcast called they're all going to kill us or something like that. I'll pop it in the notes. But she's just phenomenal. Like I could listen to her speaking for Yes. Does that there is certain initiatives that started happening? So what 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 happened was that we first of all one of the things that really helped up the feminist movement in in, in South America was to typify femicide as a particular type of murder, because before mm. that we used to talk about passional crimes, and I'm starting to see that the media here is talking about that. They have this it's a different cancel culture. It's like a canceling game that you know the Australian media plays here. It's like. He bashed her to death. Well, he, she pushed her, pushed him to that brink because she was taking away the kids. And everyone was like, yeah, great. And they both very strong because in Australia, there's this fierce, weird idea that men and women uh, attain equality because, yeah. from, because we're one of the first countries to give women the right to vote and because we had Jermaine Greer and all of this. Now we know. Yeah, who have, so for the last hundred years, yeah, we've had the right to vote. Who the fuck, who have we had to vote for? <laughs> But that's the, uh, that's another conversation for three hours, Leah. But both <laughs> to actually we need to actually participate in the political parties and intervene their elections. That's when we if we're not getting raped by fucking politicians, maybe anyway. Well, but that's, so that's also thing, another but, conversation. But this is the thing: when we're all together, they can't. Yes, 
And that is yes. the point. I think you're hitting it right in the head. Like it's about us concentrating and doing our stuff and let them go. What is happening in, in, in they started mocking us first. Then they yeah. realized that we were a lot more. Yeah. Then they realized that we were getting stuff done. Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly I start seeing, well, there's this very cool group of men that I follow, Argentinian males, it's called a collective of anti-patriarchal males. And they do this really cool emotional workshops and they have these discussing masculinity workshops going on. And they recently, I saw them going before COVID, going to a massive camp with 200 Argentinian men went down to discuss and they make this really beautiful um, press release before that and saying yeah. like, as much as we would love to invite butch women into this as well, this is not the place. We want to talk about what it is to be just a male. Yeah. And we want to have that experience here. So forgive us for not being this an open invitation, but we think it needs to be a male-only place, mm. especially because male having trouble about talking about feelings and we want to provide mm. for a safe space. I love the fact that I see men doing that. I love the fact because I actually think that feminism have a fucking load to offer to men because men yeah. have it so rough. They have to yeah. constantly be proving that they're men enough. Mm -hmm. My yeah. best mate in Chile is a tiny dude, super blokey bloke. A pretty boy, blue eyes, you know, dark skin, really pretty, plays music, sings, can play the soccer. But he's a macho, macho man, hey. And one of the things, it was really funny, when I came out of the closet to him, it was one of the latest ones that I did. He jumped off the car and started punching a wall, a brick wall. What? So I'm trying to exemplify how, how embedded in this macho culture he is. Yeah. Start punching a wall and telling me, why are you telling me this shit? I love you and I kill faggots. Fuck. And I decided that I needed to have, he's my best friend. And I wasn't going to lose him. And I decided mm -hmm. that I needed to have the full conversation with him. Because I see a lot sometimes that the queer community, and sometimes women as well as the feminist community, refuse to answer questions. Just like, go and educate yourself. There's Google for it. I'm not a big fan of that. I think that there's certain conversations that we need to have. Mm. All of them have. So at the time that it suits us, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. we're going to have to be part of that conversation unless we want the conversation to go whatever the fuck they want it to go. Yeah, we need true. to make ourselves heard. You know, we can't ask them to guess because we're putting ourselves in a terrible position if we do. Anyway, I sit down and I actually, I went with him back to his room and we sit and talk and drink beers for about three days, days and nights. I stay there. I was like, I'm not going to live here until this guy is just okay with this. Mm. or we're actually partnering ways that I lost my best mate mm. and, the, and the questions at the beginning were all the fucking stupid questions that no one wants to reply you know like mm. no one wants to ask yeah. how do you have sex and what do you don't we ended up having the most amazing three days of our lives where I ended up like I did I took the time I actually sit down I had a whiteboard I draw a, a cunt you know and I put sorry that I used the word that's the right word for it what no no, no I'm not I'm not I'm just I, yeah but, like I draw a vagina yeah you know and I told be correct I actually teach him how to work it out which he appreciate he still appreciate I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of his partners will appreciate that yeah <laughs> but the really interesting question to start coming on the third night when we're really drunk and really like exhausted yeah um he said to me he was like so I was playing soccer the other day and um we were losing and then the boys and I started a big conversation and the second time we went inside and we started winning. We turned around this thing. I, I felt so much happiness at the end of this game. I wanted to hug them all and I wanted to kiss them all. Does that make me gay? And that was a really interesting telling, pivotal point in my life. 
the person that I love very much so that it was actually confessing me why he was angry that I was gay. Yeah, yeah. 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 And Motivation that, for behavior is really important. And it was huge. And I, yeah. I had to explain, I, I was just really blunt because I said it's been three days and I answered all the questions. How did yeah. you have sex? All of them. So yeah. I said to him, I don't know, man, do you get a stiffy? And he looked at me, he was like, oh my God, no, how dare you sit? And so I was like, then that love is not sexual, man. Mm. That love is not sexual. And we got into that talking and um, there was a lot to unpack there, a lot to unpack mm. on the fact that, and we started talking about the fact that he is a very tactile dude and I've never been, mm. you know, and we started talking about our personal difference that had nothing to do with our sex or gender. Mm. You know, we started talking about how we were and how he was always a very tactile, very loving, very very lovingly expressing dude that, that I was, and I'm not a very touchy person. And, and he was the loving person. And, and, and in all of our conversations, one of the things that comes out very, very clear is that he always wanted to be as a, a dad, what he always wanted to be. We were nine years old when he told me the first time, don't mm-hmm. tell anyone, but I would love to have five kids and stay at mm-hmm. home and cook for them and have my little soccer team and train them. And, you know, uh-huh. he had to move out from... But he said, never say that because it's going to calm down on me so much. We had massive conversations about how he goes out with the girlfriend because he's a tiny dude. He's about my size, which is 164, very tiny. He, he used to say to me, like, I go out with my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. The boys have a go at my girlfriend. And then I have to fight. I hate it. Sometimes I, go, I have a go at my girlfriend. This is a conversation where I had a go at my girlfriend for what she was wearing. Why? Because the one who's going to have to fight is me. Mm-hmm. And we're starting unpacking the fact that he was actually scared, scared to go out and a bigger man to just come out and try to have a go with his girlfriend because if he didn't put something as a stop, you know, mm. I'm only bringing this up with because I'm not making an apology of men. No. I'm trying to understand the culture in which we raise men. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's an important conversation to have. It's a super important conversation to have because what are we asking men to do? Mm. In what world men are living and are we putting, making them put themselves at danger for asking them to be part of us or not? Because they're shitting on their pants. They shit on their pants to mm. call a mate to do something. Yeah. Why are they shitting on their pants? They're going to lose a lot mm. because they're going to be regarded as women. Yeah. So we're back to the same conundrum that we have at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like we are second class citizens. We're not even humans. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm monopolizing this conversation. Please turn and sing into no, it. You, no, you're making some incredible points and I am honestly just want to go home and sleep now because I'm depressed. <laughs> no, but that's the whole point. I didn't want no. to depress. One of the, I'm going to turn around this story. We've had several talks with my mate and I about this. He still yeah. sleeps in that country. He, the couple of years ago, I went down there, five years ago, I went down there and he was really complicated because his wife was making more money than he was. Yeah. But it wasn't something that complicated him. It was something that complicated him in function to his group of mates. Yeah. They were a fan of him. Of course, sitting down, he could completely understand his wife was a vet. Yeah. Yeah. And he'd just been poked over by an employer. Like the other, they ended up, yeah. But anyway. I don't understand how they're like, I mean, obviously it's toxic masculinity and it's patriarchy and all this kind of stuff, but why can't we just, why can't he go like this fucking incredible vet loves me? Why can't they look at it from that perspective? Because when they're outside in the world that they move in, when they have to face their boss and their colleagues and everything else, they're going to be mocked. Yeah. 
they're going to be bullied. Oh, and that see, is I, understand that. The among I, I do understand that, but I just know that the way that I grew up in a regional Victoria town, getting mocked for literally everything that I've ever done and ever said, I'm just so used to it that you just say how you feel. Like maybe that's why, that's how we get such strong feminists because we no longer give a fuck about what society and culture says about us. We don't care anymore that we're going to get mocked by people because everything that we do is yeah, mocked by someone. Let's let's not talk about the negative reinforcement they're going to get. What about all the positive reinforcement, reinforcement they're going to lose? Because that's the thing. We hardly, as women, we hardly have anything to lose. We don't have anything to lose. Yes, exactly. They do. You lose, Napoleon used to say this. Napoleon used to say, the men that you should worry about the most, the men that you should fear, is the one that has nothing left to lose because that man doesn't have the fear of losing anything. When you got nothing else to lose, you fight. Yeah. And that's, that's the difference in between South American women and Australian yes. women, right? Yes. Yes. The most, we have the same numbers in Chile than we have in this. I told you I was yeah. going to bring it back. Hey? No, um, no, no, you're fine. We had the same numbers. Yeah. About one woman gets killed every week by their, by their partner. I think that mm-hmm. Chile has three more than here. And, but you would consider us uncivilized and, the, you know, this happens there because the macho culture is clearly ours and not yours. Well, I kind of use for you, it's white. <laughs> I don't, it's white. Yeah. It came I with the whites. We, we, you know? Even yes. the Muslims, yeah. even the Muslims, they had not the Sharia law. They didn't have the Taliban going on. They were not controlling their women until the freaking white people put the Taliban on. Colonization. Yeah. yeah. Go back to it. Yeah. But yeah, to wrap it up, the difference was that in South America, we realized that we were getting killed, we were getting bashed, and that was all of us, and we were being sexually harassed constantly, and it wasn't a problem, it wasn't my problem, it was a systemic problem, of, and I did systemic because it's not the problem of men, it's the problem of the system. The system mm. raised men to do this and gives them prices to do so, protects them, you know, and keeps yeah. them there. So I, I'm not blaming men. No. That. You no, um, it's it's useless, and it's the same with like women in the L, from women in the LNP to to men on the street. It's useless to pick out individual people and blame individual people and individual behavior because it is such a massive systemic issue. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, the terrible, the terrible insecurity that men have. You know that when we we imagine. I put myself into the foot of the little boy a lot because, you know, I'm an envy person. So I'm just sitting right, I'm mm-hmm. a fence person, right in the middle of the two sides and got an inside of both and not a complete side of any of them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but so it's, it's, it's not a 2020 Look, vision. It's honestly, a- the, the more that I read about gender theory, the more I'm just like, why am I prescribing to this? And not just necessarily from a, like, am I cis or am I a woman? But like, what does it mean to be a woman? So yeah, sorry, continuing. interrupted. It is. It totally it is. Construct, but I totally forgot what was the point. So I was going Sorry. On. Between not the difference, but yeah, the young boy that is sitting down there, mm. and we're telling him that he can't cry. But then the worst part, that little boy is with mom at home, right? Mm. And mom's doing things in the house. She's cleaning up the house. She's arranging stuff. She's cooking. And the boy wants to do things with mom because what do kids want the most, regardless of the gender? To spend time with the parents. Love. Yeah. That's all they want. Yeah. Yeah. They want to spend time with, it's like dogs. They want to spend time with you. Children yeah. and dogs are very similar to that. They really want to spend time with you. You're not there. They're looking at the window. Wait, is he coming? Is he coming? Is he coming? They, they, that's why we call them. I don't leave Isabel at home by herself though. 
Imagine if I just came home from work and Isabel was just at the balcony being like, are you back yet? <laughs> where are you, where just are barking. You? Yeah, but even when you leave them with their baby seats, You've got a bowl of water. Get back inside. <laughs> we know that. What do we do with boys? No, you go and play outside. No, yeah. you go and entertain yourself. No, you go and be a man. No, you yeah. can't do this. No, you... Imagine the rejection. Yeah. Look at all the rejection you get in a day. Yeah. At that age. We don't do that to little girls. We do them differently. Yeah. We coerce yeah. them in a different way. But I'm of the opinion that what we do to little boys is fucking, it's torture, it's cruelty, it's deforming a human being into something that it's not that human anymore. Because we, someone that is unable to feel compassion for another human being and empathy, it's less yeah, human. Yeah. Humans are gregarious. We're destroying men with that, raising them up. We're it, turning it into starts, someone that is unable to feel empathy towards us. Yeah. Yeah. It starts from like when they're little babies. The clothes that we dressed Isabel in were gender neutral, boys' clothes, girls' clothes, whatever, whatever was cheapest, whatever fit essentially. So there were times where she'd be wearing like brown cord pants and blue T-shirts or just whatever. And people would often say like, what a handsome young man or like, oh, what a beautiful little boy. What's his name? And I'd be like, Isabel. And they'd just be like, oh, I'm so sorry. No, you have such a beautiful little girl. And all this kind of just like, what the fuck? And like when she was like tiny, just like people would hold her and they'd just be like, oh, look at you. Like, what's your name, mate? And I'd just be like, Isabel. And they'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, darling. And just that instant change. It's, it's from birth. And it's so you deeply cultural. People are weird. You do gender yes. reveal parties. You yeah. go like, let's party to see what type of genitals this baby is coming from that's perverted. <laughs> Yeah, legit. Up. You called your mates to tell them what's the genitals that the kid's gonna come in. Like legit, weird as fuck. It's actually between kids between zero and twelve years old. They let's be nice because it's called nine because with the amount of hormones they put in chickens, this is not really the same anymore. It's true though. It's true. No, it's I, true, I could, dude. I could. I could, sorry for the people who are listening. I come from a third world country. These things are not a myth and something weird. They're a reality. My sister mm-hmm. got her period at nine years old because the, hor- the, the amount of hormones they put on chickens mm. to make them big for the market, neoliberalism, capitalism, mm. to, make, to make it more expensive because they sell by the kilo. They are bringing the menstruation forward for women. Yep. You know, like wow. that, that is the reality. So yeah, I put it down there. I read that somewhere. Yeah. I'm not angry. Yeah. I'm pretty funny. But like, it is that funny. is the reality of it. Like it's bringing it, bring it that back. So in, in I forgot, man. I, got, I had to explain so many things when I go back home. And I was like, oh, this happened to me. Then I forgot what was the main point of this. I don't know. We were talking about chickens, hormones and chickens. And it was, yeah, it was it's one of those things. It's like, it's funny, but it's not funny, but it's still funny. Like that's <laughs> fucked. It's just cringe funny. But it's like, oh yeah. But I think it is like, you know what, what we can talk about all of this that all wraps it up. It's, it's how invisible violence is to us. And I think that yeah. one of the things that people can reflect to is how our culture is inherently violent. Yeah. You guys don't realize because why people have this like, so you know, we invented diplomacy. And this is funny because we were talking about Scott Morrison in China before, before we <laughs> turn on the recording for the big world. But it's a funny, it, it's funny how much violence we have internalized. Like the same way that we talk about men not being able to see the violence that it takes exercise towards us because we did the same to them when we were kids. 
Yeah. What you feel is not valid. Your sadness is ridiculous. You're not being logical. You know, yeah. it's logical. It's more important than anything else. And yeah. we obliterate the all that we can be. As we say, okay, men are strong and whatever. Female have to provide for love. What happens if you get a mom like me? I'm not great at providing love. But there are men like my, my friend that it's a really amazing dad. He's got one I, kid. He's staying at home, by the way. I think love is one of those things that is unique to each person and how you express love is different for each person. Like for me, if you read some of the posts that I put on about Faith Isabel on Facebook, you would think I was a terrible fucking, and like I am a little bit of a terrible fucking person, but I am a great mum. Like that kid is very well looked after. She's very loved. Um, but also I make fun of her sometimes, but that's how I show my affection. So I think you need to be, I don't think you can say that because I am this person that I'm not going to be a good parent. I'm not going to be able to provide love and nurture to my child because I just don't think that's, that's how humans work. And we, we figure out how to engage in different ways. Does that make sense? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And everyone has the capacity. Every human has mm. the capacity to be nurturing and to be loving. And every human has a capacity to be a cunt. Yes. Hi. Yeah. That's part of it. You know, in different <laughs> ways. And that's and, and, and we're all capable of violence because violence is inherent to humans. But I was coming back, what I was saying, and I remember why we brought into the chickens and all of that because we were talking about Isabel. And it's the fact that between zero and 12, now zero and nine because of hormones, you can't tell the difference in between boys and girls. You can't. No. Physically, you can't. In Australia, I see this enormous... Um, angst almost to try to differentiate baby girls from baby boys and that is socialization and that's how we're preparing one to the other to exercise mm. a role we want it or not like in yeah. girls well you know i i didn't i didn't got earrings place because in chile mm. you're born a girl and immediately before you hit that you come out of the you come out of your mom and before you hit the bed you already have rings put on like earrings wow yeah like an identity tag. Is, is, that a, is that a cultural thing or is that a yes. neoliberalism thing? Yes, no, that's a cultural thing. We yeah. have those little earrings in our eyes. Where does it come from? I didn't have them. My dad didn't want it to. And when I was about seven, I was like, Dad, why do I don't have them? I want my earrings. Why didn't you put them on? Every other girl has them. Why do I don't have them? You know, like, and my dad's like, because I'm a feminist. I told you this. Uh, and I went, what do you mean that I want, like, you're a feminist so I can't be like the other girls? And he was like, and he, he, that's when he told me that I was like five. And he was like, well, look, boys and girls, they have no difference whatsoever. There is no difference until they hit puberty. No difference between them. No difference in strength. No difference in nothing. No mm -hmm. difference. And you can't tell them one for the other. But you need 100%. To, and he was like, and women are marked by putting earrings on their finger. And he was like, you know who else is marked that way? Slaves. Shit. Yeah. That's heavy. Yeah. Let's not put this to a depressing state. Again, it, it come back to the same. In in South America, we realized that we didn't have anything else to lose. We we're getting killed. We we're getting bashed. We were not getting a good a, a good side of it. And what was the difference in standing up and trying to create something different and change it or keep dying? Really, mm. nothing to lose. But men does have to lose in Australia. What we need to do, women and, and minorities, get together. Start creating a new world and let the other one fall. Yeah, absolutely. Because their party doesn't work without ours. 
it doesn't no. work without us. We're doing all the work. We're yeah. cleaning the houses. We're making wood. We're doing all of that. We're still doing that. Mm. Plus doing everything else. Honestly, if we just cut them off, there's signs. Yeah. In honesty, close those cunts. There's enough fucking metal, you know? Yeah. Melt the churches. Yes. If you need metal, melt the bloody churches. Fucking yes. Melt the guns. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'm reading, what is it? Women, Race and Power by Angela Davis. And I'm really seeing the correlations between slavery and not only the way that women are treated, but the way that the, the working class are treated. Like it's just, it's like waged slavery. The expectations that we they, we rear the mean, children, we do the work, we, we look after the household. If we literally, like you just said, if we stopped all of that, if we just, the, the cleaners and the nurses and the teachers just, just withdrew, just withdrew their labour, withdraw your labour just for one day, this fucking country would fall apart. This entire country yeah, would fall apart. Possible. Yeah. It's about the, the unpaid labor of care. It's about 57% of the economy that we contribute for free mm. on top of that we go to work. Yeah. When we talk about women coming out and like having less money to retire, less money at the end of the day, it's because they have to interrupt the times that they're working, you know, to raise children or yeah. to look after sick people or yeah. to be able to provide for an environment where a man can go and work. I'm not sure if you're a uh, audience it's familiar with poverty i am when you are <laughs> fucked and you got nothing and you need yeah. to put one person to work it costs money to send the person to work it yeah. costs clean clothes it costs food for that person to be able to function it costs to look after the household or the few things that you have it costs to look after the animal or the children that you have at home so mm-hmm. if you're one person to work you need another person working for the other person can eat mm-hmm. yeah and that's why in a lot of uh, poor families, children don't finish high school. And that exactly, cycle of poverty continues. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have to work because it's needed and because one yeah. wage doesn't mm. allow for all of it, right? So there's mm. a whole bunch of like, women besides yeah. doing all of this stuff or looking after everything, they're doing some sort of activity like sewing or watching, washing somebody, somebody else's clothing or ironing. Or there's a lot of work that we do from home. Mm. Yeah. Let's go even further. Where are all these fucking masks coming from? Is it from a hospital? Is it from the military? Did you put your military to sew? No, you didn't. No. It's women yes. in their houses. Yeah, absolutely. Sewing. Absolutely. That's why we have masks. Because we, we had a shortage of masks. Yeah. Let's go back to the lockdown. We had a shortage yeah. of masks. Yeah. Shortage yeah. because, you know, all the capitalist ideas we applied to all of our networks means that we only had one thing of masks. But, but not only the masks, all those all those kids at home doing homeschooling. Who do you reckon did the majority of the homeschooling? I know who did it, it for me. <laughs> I I know I I did all of it. Like, and I can't fucking count. <laughs> so there is an fucked. excellent in um, Netflix. There was one series that it's called Lockdown Stories, I think, or whatever. No, that was on SBS or ABC. That- I think I catch it on stand. I can't remember, but it was like stories of lockdown. There is one that is particularly one that I'm thinking about. Yeah. That is the chick that um that plays Tasty in Orange is the New Black. Oh, okay. Uh, this isn't what I was thinking of, but yeah, cool. Sorry, go. Okay, but there's one of the episodes about her. She is an HK lady for uh, she's looking after an older lady. That it's in an in a, in a, in a. She's assisting this older lady that lives alone. She's leaving yeah. her 
She's a single mom and she's leaving her daughter alone in her house to be able to go and care for this older lady. And she monitors her kid with an iPad, you know, because she's left alone in the house. Yeah. And she's being hired to look after this older lady by this older lady's daughter. And when lockdown comes in, she calls up, you know, the daughter of this lady, her boss, and going like, hey, I cannot look after your mom. They're going to lock down and you need to come and look after your mom here. And this professional woman, which is the only one that, you know, makes money here, and it's supporting this economy of this episode. Yeah, going yeah. Like, I can't be with my mom and look after my mom if I have to, if I have, I have to work. Yeah. If I can't work, why can't you stay there? And she was like, well, I can't stay here because my child cannot come here. Mm. And I can't look after your child and your mom. Mm. There's not a single man in this equation. But this, yeah. this is something. At the end of the day, like, they tried to rearrange it. They tried to rearrange themselves and they ended up tasty and sub looking after the mom of this lady and this lady ends up looking after the kid. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and that it's, of course, a massive mess as well because it's like, yo, I'm looking after the person that you care. You're looking after the person that I care because this economy is making a fucking mess out of this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it just, I, I mean, I've said this before, because but COVID, is, yeah. COVID's, COVID's highlighted the fractures in, the, in this the community. Labor. Yeah. So okay. I mean... COVID should have highlighted the shit deal that women have. You you were expected to uh, deal with a husband that was throwing tantrums, you know, with the biggest hike of domestic family and mm. be more productive than ever because when COVID, we, uh, we were more productive than ever before. So we we're paying the bills of our offices that they were not paying the bills. We're paying the bills for that. We're looking after it. We're doing the job that, you know, there is, I'm not saying, hey, don't take the, the, the teachers out of here. I'm going to make it really clear. Teachers were amazing during this thing by trying to pass everything onto online. Stuff, yeah. Stuff, Isabel's no, teachers were incredible. No yeah, absolutely. Things that were amazing. They were incredible. But truth is, women pull up the other half of their work at home. And they were cooking for the family. And they were doing the eight hours of work. And now they had to do it all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I'm not yeah. really sure why the hell women are not out on the streets burning everything right now here. Because God, God, you guys have patience, man. <laughs> like legit, I don't really understand why Australian women are not fucking angry. I think, I think we are. I think a lot of it is the gaslighting. I think a lot of it is that we're too fucking tired. Mm. We're really burnt out, and we Let's don't realize how burnt we burnout we are because we've just done all of this and we just expect we don't realize a hundred percent like how fucked it is it's the whole like uh what the is it? Frog. It yeah the lot. frog frog in the boiling pot thing yeah leaping out that that whole situation like i think we've been told for so long how good we have it to go back together because we need to yeah yeah we've 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 been led to believe how well, lucky I'm we South are. I'm South America, I'm from the third world, and I'm here to tell you, Australian women, you don't have it good. You don't have it good, and you're not lucky. No. <laughs> you don't have it good, and you're not lucky. You're not lucky. You have no. to do all of that shit and all of that, look incredible and pretend that everything is okay. And then when your kids get shot by your partner, you need to endure yeah. the fact that media is saying that your partner was a super cool guy and you drop him that. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get fucked. But yeah, no, as a third world country, no, as a third world, I come from a third world, guys. No, you don't have it good. You don't have it great. You got all the right to be mad. You got all the right, and you can do better. And you know what? Not because your men are shit. It's because 
your men can be better. Yeah. And I believe that men can be better. Of course they can. They're not fucking animals that no. we're treating them. If they could stop, if they could just stop blaming us for everything that ever goes wrong in their lives. And I know that there's, it's not as simple as us just being like, could you please? Because like, like you've mentioned so well before, it's a lifetime of conditioning. But, and I think that's, again, another reason why, like the organisation Feminist United Australia is so important to support and promote women and gender diverse and trans women to come together and support each other and build these systems that we need on our terms so that we can live and we can thrive. Exactly. And on that note, I'm going to do a shout out to Destroy the Joint that we were going to talk yeah. about them and we left them outside, <laughs> but it's uh, Destroy the Joint's been counting dead women that uh, comes up from them. They've been doing an amazing job of trying to uh, figure it out how many women are actually killed by their partners because we don't have that figure in Australia, so we can't count them. Um, mm. So that on one side, the other side that I want to say a big kudos to it's uh, mad fucking witches that they've been doing an amazing job boycotting yeah. you know mm. they have a massive campaign with Rupert Murdoch but I'm bringing these organizations and I'm bringing Feminist United as well because I think that one of the main things that we need to do is unite yeah, yeah. yeah. like you're saying we're tired and it's mm. okay to be tired yeah but when we are we need to think about activism is like having a choir yeah a choir sings for two hours in a row not because everyone is singing everything at the same time you take turns but that yeah. No, we never drop it. And this is the same with feminism. We mm, can't drop absolutely. the ball. But obviously we can't hold them by ourselves all the time. So we need to come together. We yeah. need to start finding places where we can talk about it because decompressing is the most important thing. Absolutely. One of my favourite... Yeah, but... Sorry, honey. One of my favourite <laughs> quotes is, uh, the more we are a choir, the more we can force the tune to change. Exactly. And at the end of the day, we make the party. Like we are making mm. the snacks. We're playing the music. We are the, 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 we're dancing on the floor. We are inviting the people. We're like, all they do is just to come. So we just take the party somewhere else. And yep. then fuck, what are they going to do? Look, I, like, I started an I started an organization that's been that was ripped from beneath me because it was they were using it to to um what's it called? They were using it to astroturf for this like really shitty political party um so we can do it we can organize this we can make our own political party we can make our own movements we can make our own organizations like you said we do all the work already yeah and yeah. i'm gonna make a very face like a shame shameless call out yeah 8 of march guys international women's day we might not like the organization but that's a date for all women in australia that they actually think a little bit identifying with feminism, invite you to come out to the street that day. Yeah. And let's see each other's faces. Absolutely. Let's count each other out. Let's see how many we are. Because I think that you will find that it's way more than what they think. Because I'm seeing the numbers. I'm seeing Destroy the John with over 50,000 likes. Yeah. I'm seeing my fucking witches with over 60,000 likes. We're seeing them and we're very quiet. But the yeah. minute that we actually realize that mm. we're a majority, because we are, and also just a shout out for International Women's Day. I'm on the organising committee. And if you are a turf or a swerf and you're thinking of coming, don't. You won't be welcome and you will be turned away. So sorry, not sorry, but get the fuck out, yeah, essentially. Right. So... 
to be very clear in this account, the same as us with all the Latinx feminists and stuff, we support women and every other minority that it's a victim from patriarchy. Mm -hmm. That includes yeah. gay men, that includes people who identify as male as well, but cis men, yeah. white cis men going out there. <laughs> Look, I think I do. Same with slut walk. I think I think white cis men can be allies, but they need to wait until we say that they're allies. They can't self-appoint yeah, themselves. Yeah, this is the same shit. You need the owner. You you need someone from the inside to give you that name. Yeah, you don't give yourself that name. Yeah, no. Like even with uh, First Nations issues, I'm a supporter of First Nations people. I don't consider myself an ally. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I. I'm very white. Like, I'm unlearning a lot of shit. Do you know what I mean? Hey, even though I'm socialized as yeah. female as birth, and that's what it says everywhere around my thing, there is an experience with straight women that I just don't share. Don't share. Yeah. I cannot walk into that space. Yep, same. And yeah. have a chat about it. There's a space mm. that I just don't share with, white, with straight women. Mm. Jeez, I've never worried about getting pregnant. I've never in my life worried about that. Contraceptive is not a thing. Condoms are not a thing in my head. Like, yeah. And how yeah. much of of the world of a straight woman that is? Yeah, I don't have that experience. I can't get myself and 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 have an opinion about that. That's really funny because David Laneholm doesn't seem to have a problem with <laughs> interfering on that. Yeah, well, but that's the problem that men have. Men don't really realize that the joint is that the house is not there. No, it's, it's honestly not for the, you. The, the house was ours, and the outside world was then. I think they destroy it, and it is about time that we take it away from. Yeah, absolutely. Fucking yes. But yeah, to be cool for the people in the house, get active. Yeah. And get active, empower yourself, stop saying you no know, to the shit that you don't want, hang out with your girlfriends. Unite. Don't wait for men to do shit. Yeah, no. Unite. No, we do cool I, things. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Stop, stop telling oh, you can do the fuck you want, to be honest. But use your energy on yourself and your community. Stop using your energy on trying to convince people that you have human rights. Yeah. Yeah, and stop trying to make them feel comfortable. Ah, oh, fucking. That's yeah. so much fucking time. It's so yeah. hard because their balls are so delicate. You really and have we've to go like do... three meters away from them. <laughs> and we, we already do fucking everything else. We don't want to like pussyfoot around their egos as well, for Christ's sake. No, it's, it's just, it's, it's impossible. We're yeah. dying trying to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both yeah. literally, physically, like one every one a week, or like emotionally and spiritually. Yeah, it's intense. Yeah. Yep, and about so it was three thousand four hundred and twenty. So that's almost ten women a day in hospital. Break the numbers. For that. Look at the numbers. So Pretty yeah, thin. look. All right. Look after like, yourself and look after your friends. Jesus Christ! Like in yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake! <clears throat> you know what was it? Um. The money that we needed to fix up the economy, no, the, the money that we needed to fix up like world hunger or something was only 3% of the budget of the military this year in one country. Yeah. And that's coming back into being serious again. No, no, absolutely. Uh, um, that's where the fight is and it's really fucking important to put women together and yeah. just start letting them know like sometimes I hate to be the bearer of bad news but it's like legit, legit, wake up, man, wake yeah. up. You do yeah. the same shit as we do in our countries, you know. It's just that we're a little bit more poor, so it looks a bit more worrisome. Mm. Sorry, and I think that's neoliberalism as well. Like it is, I, and they're kind of they're sort of smart about how they do it. 
they kind of like give us just enough rope to hang ourselves almost. The new start that we're on is like below the poverty line, but it's sort of just enough so that you can live on it. But and you're exhausted while you're doing it, if that exactly. makes sense. So you don't have the energy to fight. And they yeah. know exactly what you're saying. And this is the tricky bit. Like always remember that colonialism, patriarchy, all of them. It started with patriarchy. Patriarchy is the central of all of it. Neoliberalism is the fucking healthy son of patriarchy. White supremacy. It's yep, all, the all of that. Yeah. But um, the main thing of this shit is that I fucking forgot about it. ADHD is a cunt, man. I really need my education. <laughs> but yeah, they keep you up in that fucking circle when you can't mm. get out. Like you're always stopped into something. In Australia, though, it's tricky. Mm. Because um, there is a lot of, there is not just the $250. You also mm. have Medicaid. You also have yeah. consent. You also have all the little bits and pieces. Like it's more than just the 250 And I always like to put it out there because we got to celebrate what we actually do have. Yeah. And not go yeah. nuts about it. Like it's great that we, we, whatever we do, we can't lose the welfare. Yeah. Whatever we do, we can't lose it. So we need to be really yeah. careful on how we talk about it and how we package it together. I agree yeah. with you. I've been in New Start for the last three years, just got employment now. Mm. Like, and I know that I'm, I'm, I have to trick the system in order to survive if I want to go. Mm. But to be honest, like coronavirus brought myself, it got me out of poverty. Yeah. This massive tragedy got me out of poverty. That it's, yeah. you know, I hate that this is getting recording, but it's, it's true. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm like, I was able to quit my job at the start of the pandemic. Like I was massively burnt out, but, and I was able to like, look at like what New Start was or whatever, what's it called, job keeper or whatever. I was I was able to look at that and go, I'm getting around the same now because they cut all my my shifts right down. Even though I'm a nurse in the middle of a pandemic, they still cut all my shifts. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, I'm going to be able to have a similar income. I'm, like it was still less than what I would have got working. Yeah, but I'm you were not to have a, your fucking ass out there. No, absolutely. And I'm able to spend time with my child while we're yeah. in a pandemic and I'm not going to have to like juggle things around and, you know, go back and forth to work on public transport. And I think that's it's really important to have welfare that people can actually rely on and live on so that we actually have to force our working conditions to improve. Exactly right. Because if you have desperate unemployed people, they will take any fucking job. Yeah, and because, like, I'm going to take you a little bit further. If you got desperate people, they're going to steal. And when they start stealing, yeah. you still they start stealing because you're hungry. I come from a yeah. country without a welfare. If there yeah. is a need and there is a law in place that is a barrier to your need, you will break that law. Exactly right. And we are a majority. And Australia is a bit hard to put it that way because Australia still is a country that works and has a democracy that works. What we need to fucking do is take over the freaking uh, instances of power. We need to... We need to have a viable alternative. We don't have an alternative. No, we need to take what is there, Leah. Like we got it. Same shit that we're doing with International Women's Day. The fucking turfs took it. Yep. And we're taking it away from them because they they wouldn't be able to bring people in. What what I mean by an alternative is like literally create a feminist party within the system. And even though I know it's a cultural thing that we need to change on a cultural level, we still need someone on our side within the government, within Parliament House, who's actually fighting against these laws that they're enacting to make sure that we are absolutely, we're actually safe because we're not within this system. You know what? I was asked for my signature to enroll a party a couple of years ago. And I remember this like, two weeks ago was it the women's party 
correct. You want to tell yeah. me about that fucking scam? What the yeah. hell is that? Because I never heard from them back. They enrolled themselves as a fucking political party. And uh, I never heard back from them. So they were incredibly problematic. Uh, they didn't get up because I believe, I see it was weird and it was a bit confusing. And I'm, I'm pretty sure they ran with a trans woman, but they were actually quite transphobic and trans exclusionary. If you see a political movement that's got women in the title, it's 95% of the time going to be problematic. Like when Feminist United started, we were called Progressive Women's Alliance because that's inclusive of all of us. Yeah, but that's a really dirty word. Um, nah, watch, get fucked. <laughs> watch the episode. Watch the episode of the of of the fix. Have you seen the fix? No. It's a show. It's on Netflix. I watch too much fucking telly on this pandemic. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a whole bunch of comedians that they take on solving world problems with funny ways to do it. Similar like the project, I guess, but it's the original one. It's called The Fix. Okay. Take it up. But there is one that they go, I can't remember what the problem is, but she was like, they, she came out with this, this comedian came out with this feminism. 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 Bananas. Feminism. <laughs> We're feminisms. We're feminists, you know? But it was just a funny, it's a funny way because like, the truth is, the word's trash. They want that. No, it's not. It's trash. They tried to they tried to call us sluts and to they've tried so many things to ridicule us and to to hold words against us. It's just a word. We can control that narrative. They can get fucked. No, they yeah. don't they don't get feminism. I'm sorry, no, well, we didn't no, get around to slut walk. <laughs> How did you think that the, the recording went? Me. Both of you. Did you you listen to it? Did oh, you? May please talk. What? <laughs> I, I, I did not listen to the slut walk. I never listened to I'm like Johnny. You were Depp. there, babe. How did you feel like it went when you were recording? The the march. Mm. Are you talking about? Yeah, on Sunday. Listening to it, I thought it went really well. I thought that it was pretty good. Yeah. I thought it was really, really good. Dude, like yeah. you guys have, like you guys are running in a voluntary organization without mm. fucking money. Like, did anyone because... follow your bloody Facebook page after the plugging we did? Oh, I think we got a couple of people, new people. I we don't know if it was because of that. Twitter and Instagram, we did. I know my loud, angry, and not sorry page did. Yeah, yeah, but that that's was because good. that's where we were sharing all the stuff from. Mm. But that's good because at the end of mm. the day, we just have to grab them onto everywhere. Seriously, Leah, what we need to do is to create more leaders. Mm. That's what we need to do. We need to, it's a process of creating leaders, empowering people and creating leaders, like not in there. Just go and do things because everyone has a different capacity. Everyone's struggling. Yeah. Everyone, we're fucked. If you have the energy to go and do something, you don't wait. You don't wait for the group. You don't wait for anyone. You just start. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It goes until whatever it goes. Yeah. But all the work that you do, somebody else comes behind you and benefits out of that. It's all a little one step after another step yeah, Every absolutely little bit absolutely all and right that guys, was part I really of, got to go. yeah <laughs> i've got to go too because i have a child and she's oh shit fuck yes. all right bye love you bye bye, love you, bye. <laughs>